Hashtag good teammate Twitter needs to go. You need to be a good teammate. Be a good teammate. Be a good teammate. Be a good teammate. A lot of NFL fans and fantasy football enthusiasts seem to be experts on what it means to be a good teammate. A.J. Green should be playing. If he wants to play, let him play. Let him be a good teammate. Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, they should be playing in their bowl games. They need to be good teammates. So many people with nothing at stake are very eager to risk the future earnings of elite athletes. So many selfishly want to watch Leonard Fournette, Julio Jones, Christian McCaffrey, A.J. Green. They selfishly want to always watch the best players available and will file their selfishness under the perceived requirement that players be good teammates and being a good teammate includes risking injury in meaningless games. You see this in the NFL every week as the players who are game time decisions are coerced to play by their coaches and team doctors. And now college athletes are saying no. And I think more of them should sit out. I think every college football player with first round draft capital should sit out their team's bowl game, including BCS playoff games and championships. Hell, if they believe by the time mid-November rolls around that their resume is adequate to be drafted in the first round, they should set out multiple games at the end of their team's regular season schedule. Why not? They're playing college football for one purpose, to train themselves and build a resume to win a career as a professional football player. And once that resume is established, you have no more incentive to play for your college football team. And the stakes are very high. The knucklehead sports fans and sports media gas bags love to talk about why these players should be compelled to play while disregarding the stakes. The stakes are bringing their families out of poverty. That's what's at stake. Ensuring your mother has a standard of living that will allow her to live a long and prosperous life or ensuring that your teammates like you. What's more important, your family's welfare or the opinion of your college teammates? Your college teammates are essentially your peers in a training program. Do your peers in your training program like you or is your family taken care of? McCaffrey and Fournette chose their family as they should. As Willis McGahee should have over a decade ago, tearing his knee to pieces in the college football championship game. McGahee should not have played in that game. It cost him a standard of living for both himself and his family. And that game had stakes. That game had actual stakes, unlike most of these bowl games with no stakes and no fans in the stands. They exist merely to generate sponsorship revenue for the universities. The players have nothing to play for. The college football system is a farce. And the subversive pressure that good teammate Twitter puts on the players to continue to put their health at risk for dubious benefits like school pride. What the hell is school pride? That's a reason to put your health and future earnings and family welfare at risk? School pride? What? Think about how foolish that sounds. The peace of mind that comes from a job finished, from a job well done. Yes. Cliches and platitudes that certainly have merit when your health and your family's welfare isn't at stake. And you're receiving no monetary compensation for the work that you're putting in. I look forward to the day that entire teams sit out bowl games 
and players projected to be drafted in the early rounds choose to sit out national championship games. That day cannot come soon enough because it will help to expose how the manipulative stakeholders in the most unjust system in modern American socioeconomics have partnered with big media outlets to coerce teenagers into risking their health for cold-blooded institutions and corporate entities. Only once they start to sit out can they rise above the disenfranchisement that is the NCAA's system. The NCAA is built on disenfranchisement. That's what collegiate athletics is built upon. And McCaffrey and Fournette are trailblazers. They are heroes. I believe the Willis-McGahee effect will permeate college sports and you will start to see more players standing on the shoulders of McCaffrey and Fournette. And eventually, a key member of a national championship team will sit out the national championship game. And I will applaud the day that happens. And what does this have to do with week 17 of the NFL season? Absolutely nothing. And what does this have to do with the Daily Fantasy slate for Week 17? Absolutely nothing. What does this have to do with your Dynasty League football rosters? Building your taxi squad? Absolutely nothing. Bowl season is upon us, and this is what I want to talk about. This is interesting. The future of a rigged system is at stake. And the criticism of McCaffrey and Fournette is driven by the manipulative stakeholders that see the actions of McCaffrey and Fournette as an existential threat to the despicable system that is the college football system, that is NCAA college football. This show is all about what I find interesting. Some listeners disagree, and they shuffle away to another show. They don't find these topics interesting, and that's fine. They want me to talk about last Sunday's box scores and the upcoming DFS slate for Week 17. That's not what we talk about on this show. But more often than not, we don't talk about these socioeconomic issues. When I bring them up, the buzzards react strongly. But we bring up socioeconomic topics once a month at the most. Most of the time, we're talking about individual NFL players. And most of the time, we are right! But you wouldn't know it from reading the comments on iTunes and YouTube. And a lot of the content that you hear on a lot of shows at the end of the season and into January, year in review, year in review, year in review. So question for the audience, contact us at Roto Underworld on Twitter, email us rotounderworld at gmail.com. Would you like a year in review show? I feel like we have a year in review segment On most shows where we do Told You So Radio, we've logged consecutive shows with significant Told You So Radio segments. That's year-in-review content. We've been doing year-in-review content for weeks. But would you like a show dedicated to year-in-review? If we do a year-in-review, it's not going to be take-review. I'm not going to go through the players I was most right about and most wrong about. We've already covered that. If we do a year-in-review... We will pull my favorite sounds from the 2016 shows and stitch them together like one enormous outtake. I would be interested in putting together a show like that. That would be fun. So let me know at Roto Underworld. Email me, rotounderworld at gmail.com if you think a show like that would be interesting. The buzzards on YouTube and the buzzards on iTunes do not want that show. 
Because here's what people are saying about the show on YouTube. This is just in the last 48 hours. Way to completely disregard the Lions' comeback as, quote, random events and random outcomes, end quote. L-M-F-A-O. So this person has lost his entire ass laughing at me. He goes on to say, you're not making any sense. That comment was tied to a clip on Matthew Stafford. How Matthew Stafford is perennially overrated. Every year, the majority of analysts come out with the reasons why this is Matthew Stafford's year. This is the year he turns it around. This year, Jim Bob Cooter fixed him. He was ranked in the top five quarterbacks for a swath of weeks in the middle of 2016. I remember this. And anyone that believed that Jim Bob Cooter had fixed Matthew Stafford was a sucker. Last night against the Cowboys, Matthew Stafford, 26 of 46. 5.7 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, one interception, four sacks, one fumble lost. So two turnovers, no touchdowns. Matthew Stafford, I mean, that's a Matthew Stafford game. Early in the season, Matthew Stafford was logging three and four touchdowns on games in which he threw for less than 300 yards. He was destined to experience touchdown regression in the second half of the season, and that's exactly what happened to Matthew Stafford. We foresaw all of it. But the YouTube commenters comment without listening to the show and not understanding anything that we're doing. They just don't get the show, and their comments reveal it. There will be comments under videos, and I'm reading them thinking, you did not listen to this clip. How can you comment on it without listening? Everything you're saying I said in this comment wasn't said. And either your disagreement is painfully obvious or it doesn't make any sense. The reasonable, well-balanced critique of a YouTube highlight clip on the Roto Underworld Radio YouTube channel, those are few and far between. Just go to YouTube, type in Roto Underworld Radio, and you can browse these clips and see the comments. They're maddening. If you're a fan of the show, you will get angry. I'm warning you, if you read these comments, you will become angry because many of the comments offend the sensibilities of the show, not just me, but anyone that finds this show interesting, stimulating, will read these comments and wonder what the world is coming to. Where do these people come from? How were these individuals created that can be so bad at listening and or understanding the English language. The next comment, just four hours later, LOL, troll. God, I'm going to fight you. I'm reading the comments in succession in chronological order in which they've come in. We started with the most recent, the person that was rolling on the floor laughing after I said Matthew Stafford has been regularly overrated by fantasy footballers now for five consecutive years. So we have two people so far laughing out loud, one rolling on the floor laughing at the self-evident position that Matthew Stafford is not an elite quarterback and never will be, and those that have built a case for Matthew Stafford ascending to elite status every season have been perpetually incorrect. All facts, yet laughable. Next comment. So Stafford is overrated, but... Britt is a Hall of Fame wide receiver talent. H A H A H A H A H A H A H A 45 times across the screen. The YouTube commenters find my position that Matthew Stafford is generally overrated to be fucking hilarious. Next comment. 
all on this same Matthew Stafford video clip. The four most recent comments we've received are all on this Matthew Stafford clip. Brandon Stewart writes, usually I agree with you. You're wrong on this one, Matt. How am I wrong? Matthew Stafford has posted under 18 fantasy points per game, which is the threshold for being a QB1 in fantasy. He's not a top 12 quarterback. He's a high-end streamer. That's what Matthew Stafford is. That's what Matthew Stafford's been for the last five years. Since 2011, that's been Matthew Stafford. That's not up for dispute, but that's YouTube. That's the YouTube comment board. Next comment. I think people need to resolve to permanently ignore Matt Kelly. His face plants are so consistent, his nose must look similar to Voldemort's by now. That comment was tied to a Jay Ajayi clip in which I stated that Jay Ajayi went from a buy to a sell to a buy again. Jay Ajayi's value has oscillated wildly this year. He was a buy low, then he was a sell high, then he was a buy low again. Jay Ajayi has the most interesting game log of any player this season. 30 points, 28 points, 9 points, 11 points, 12 points, 7 points, 5 points, 30 points. No running back has higher volatility than Jay Ajayi. That's fascinating to me, trying to explain the highly volatile phenomenon that is Jay Ajayi. And every step of the way, we explain what was happening with Jay Ajayi and how to play it. When to buy, when to sell, and when to rebuy. We were the first to come out and say, Jay Ajayi's production is largely offensive line driven. Largely determined by the health of his offensive line. How many times have you read that analysis since we talked about it two months ago? And yet, I have face planted in this area so consistently that my nose must look similar to Voldemort's by now. Like, what are you talking about? Oh. This commenter wants to talk about Jeff Janis. If you can't run routes, which means be at a certain point on the field at the right time to catch a ball that is thrown to you before you look, then you can't be a starting receiver, dipshits. Thank you for defining the word route for the internet audience. Thank you. Very helpful. And I can point to many instances in which Jeff Janis ran a route precisely and then secured the pass, and in some cases, won the game for his team. Can't run routes. That's not my assessment. I'm just regurgitating what someone else said, but I heard someone say it, so I'm saying it now. I heard someone say it, so it must be true, so now I'm saying it to you as a matter of fact. Great. Thank you. And the hypothetical scenarios really bother the YouTube commenters. Oh, they can't stand these hypothetical scenarios because they utterly lack imagination. That's why. So when I talk about how Kenny Britt's career could have gone differently, how he was blessed with the ability to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver if the chips had fallen differently, the buzzards find that exercise obnoxious. They have no time to think about hypothetical scenarios. They just want to know the now. Who should I start and who should I sit? I don't have the time or the inclination or the mental capacity to imagine what Kenny Britt would have been on the Saints or the Packers. YouTube commenter writes, So in two days you claim Kenny Britt is a Hall of Fame talent and that the NFL should change their game time decision rules because it, quote, isn't fair for fantasy football. You are beyond pathetic and out of touch with reality. Damn you! Fuck you! Did you even listen for more than a minute to my argument for abolishing the game time decision? 
The first reason in that argument was player health. That was first and foremost. And then as we stepped down the prioritized lists of reasons, making the coach's job easier, making the announcer's job easier, creating a better experience for the fans, last on the list was creating a better experience for fantasy gamers. It was on the list at the bottom of the priority list. Yet that's the only reason you mention. How? Like, how is it possible that you are so bad at listening? You're so bad at listening that I believe your ears should be donated to people that need ears. I'm sure there are people out there in the world waiting for an ear transplant. Whoever wrote that comment should disavow their ears and donate them to those that need to hear because you've made the decision at some point in your life, I'm just going to stop listening. Certainly, no listening comprehension. If you're not going to bother with listening comprehension, don't bother listening at all and just remove your ears. You don't need them. They're excess skin. You having ears is pointless. You, the guy that believes that somehow my opinion of Kenny Britt is linked to my opinion that the game time decision should be abolished and that my reasoning for the game time decision revolves solely around the convenience for fantasy footballers. You, you, sir. Don't deserve ears. But it's not just YouTube. No, 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 no. It's also on iTunes. Yes, iTunes buzzards are prevalent. This comment from Jim Lane, or Jim Lame, is titled, A Bit Misguided. Remember this title, A Bit Misguided. Jim Lane writes, This guy gives some good fantasy football advice. During the short time, probably 15% of the total podcast that he actually offers it. But he spends most of the podcast talking about why other analysts and other websites are wrong and horrible. Even though I've never said any website or analyst was horrible. Never. But Jim Lane continues. He spends more time talking about what people say about him on social media than he does giving actual insight. Well, that's true. Just look at this show. Jim Lane nailed this particular show. This was submitted in early December, describing the show that dropped on December 28th. Jim Lane can see the future. On this particular show, we are talking about nothing. This is the show that we talk about nothing. I'm with him there. He's absolutely correct. In fact, I would love for this show to end with no individual player analysis whatsoever. That would make me happy. But Jim Lane goes on. I usually can't even make it to the fantasy football advice because I can't listen through him spewing negativity about this analyst or some other nonsense he's paying attention to. Here, Jim Lane is speaking to me directly. This is where it gets good. Matt Kelly, don't worry about what's wrong with other fantasy analysts and websites or what people say about you on social media. Just stick to what you're good at, giving fantasy football advice. Remember, this comment was titled, A Bit Misguided. I think the title of this comment was misguided, because apparently I'm not a bit misguided, I'm a lot misguided. And Jim Lane doesn't get the show. It's okay, Jim. You can move on and go listen to literally every other fantasy football podcast, because those shows only give fantasy football advice. We have Literally hundreds of fantasy football podcasts out there that are recorded every week focusing exclusively on giving you fantasy football advice. This isn't that show. Nowhere in the description of the show does it say we only provide fantasy football advice. That will never be the show. So Jim, you can feel free to shuffle off to literally any other show out there.
because this is the behind the scenes show. We talk about the industry. We talk about what other analysts are saying and what other sites are writing. And sometimes we agree with it. And sometimes we disagree with it. And sometimes we identify mythology and debunk it. That's what the show is. The show is what it is because I find it interesting. And the regular listeners of the show find it interesting. And you're not going to be a regular listener to the show. You are going to shuffle off. And your comment isn't helpful because it comes from a place of entitlement. You think that my player-specific advice is very good. And you feel you're entitled to turn the knobs on the show and make it exactly the way you want it. You want to customize the show to your specifications. That's what Jim Lane wants. What a perverse sense of entitlement to write a comment like that with no self-awareness, criticizing me for criticizing analysts in a comment that criticizes me. That's the signature trait of the internet buzzard right there. We've identified it. That's it. The utter lack of self-awareness. Because when you go to YouTube, you see a lot of negative comments written by the same commenters. How is that possible? Based on your comments, you clearly don't like the show. So why do you continue to watch the clips? Why? Why? What are you doing? You're a masochist. Masochistic individuals lacking sports sophistication and lacking self-awareness. That's the profile of the internet buzzer that circles above the show and defecates on it from a perch of online anonymity. So the anonymous online show buzzard is an unsophisticated listener, either doesn't have ears or doesn't know how to use them, lacks listening comprehension skills, has a perverse sense of entitlement, lacks empathy, and lacks self-awareness. We figured it out! I'm so glad we talked about this because we've solved it! The minions can now identify these buzzards coming! and shoot them out of the sky. We have the key now. We know what to look for. This is beautiful, but it's also heartbreaking because I put a lot of brain power and a lot of energy into the more philosophical segments that we do on the show. My argument for banishing the game time decision took hours to construct before the show. Many of you appreciate the work that goes on behind the scenes to produce the show. I don't just sit down in front of the microphone and start talking. I can't do that. But that's what's heartbreaking, that someone would listen to my plea to banish the game time decision. A clip where I explain how team management manipulates players using their inherent competitiveness and love of teammates against them. Where I explain how the game time decision, GTD, is a tool used by the powerful to coerce the less powerful. And you summarize a comprehensive argument by calling me a butthurt fantasy gamer that face plants so consistently that my nose must look similar to Voldemort's by now. And what's unbelievable is that I received this criticism from listeners who also commented on many of my earlier shows in which they criticized me at the time that those clips were published. And then I was later proven right. I am disparaged online every day, even after my craziest takes have come to fruition. Many of you now understand how and why Kenny Stills has more tactical value than Jarvis Landry. No one agreed with that five months ago. My craziest take of all that Martellus Bennett would be a New England Patriot longer than Rob Gronkowski. That was the hottest take of them all. And now it's fair to wonder how long Rob Gronkowski will be a Patriot. Now the health of Martellus Bennett is key for the Patriots to win a Super Bowl. We've had consecutive experts come on and agree with me that Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. First round pick Lamar Miller. 
This is the context in which I am being eviscerated on YouTube. Opinions I shared in April that no one agreed with have since come to fruition in December. And you know they've come to fruition because they've been validated by the highest profile experts in the business. I said Lamar Miller's a fake bell cow. Brad Evans and Christopher Harris agreed. I said Golden Tate is the true number one wide receiver on the Detroit Lions. I was mocked, yet Evan Silva agreed. I came on the show and said that Melvin Gordon is grossly undervalued. And one of the top fantasy minds, Graham Barfield, agreed. I said Matt Jones is terrible that he won't even be active in the second half of the season and that Washington starting running back wasn't even on the roster at the time that was 10 months ago and JJ Zacharyson agreed and now where are we Matt Jones hasn't played since week seven over the summer I said Ryan Tannehill is a below replacement quarterback just recently Christopher Harris agreed with me I said that Dwayne Allen is the most overrated player on the Colts George Kreitikos came on and concurred by the way here's my list of the best Colts tight ends. Number one, Eric Swoop. Number two, Jack Doyle. Number three, Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen is the third best tight end on his team, and I'm acquiring Eric Swoop in all leagues. Eric Swoop is top 10 in yards per target among tight ends this season, albeit in a small sample size, only 20 targets. Now, are you ready for Eric Swoop's yards per reception? 17.7 top 10 target premium top five production premium for former basketball player eric swoop he has the skills to be one of the league's best move tight ends he's not big enough to be used in all game situations so i don't see eric swoop as a top five tight end but he could absolutely be a top 10 tight end playing an integral role in that colts offense a mismatched nightmare out of the slot. That's where I see Eric Swoop succeeding in the NFL for years to come. Stash him in Dynasty. And one of the reasons why we've been eager to stash Eric Swoop is because we've known all along that Dwayne Allen is terrible. Yet Dwayne Allen was at the top of many experts' sleeper tight end list over the summer. But we brought George Kritikos on, and he agreed with me. So you want to persecute the messenger. There's something about me that many of you do not like, yet you continue to listen on YouTube. Remember, those with the most negative remarks are also the most consistent listeners on YouTube. Let that sink in. These are the listeners that confound me. Because at least with the drive-by buzzards, I understand their point of view. They assume all fantasy football shows are the same, mine ends up being different, and they're disoriented. I understand that. What I don't understand are the masochistic buzzards who clearly don't like the show but continue to hate-listen to every episode religiously. And thank you for hate-listening, by the way. Appreciate ya. And clearly, the opinions that you object to aren't just mine. So you either have a problem with my delivery, or it isn't me at all. The problem is you. You, the vitriol-soaked internet buzzard, is a problem. Because your negative remarks have a cost. When you lob the hate from your anonymous account, you don't internalize the cost. But there is a cost. I was listening to Living the Stream a couple weeks ago, and Denny Carter, the co-host of Living the Stream, follow him at CDCarter13, he talked about Joe Flacco. He said, I was doing some additional research on Sunday morning, and I realized that Joe Flacco was a perfect streaming candidate this week, even though we didn't talk about him on the show. And he went on to say that he wrote a tweet, but he refused to send it because he had been made weary 
by the hindsight biased trolls. He didn't send the tweet because he didn't want to deal with the backlash if Joe Flacco performed poorly that week. That's the hidden cost of your misguided entitled vitriol. The cost is less information for all of us to consume. Silencing the best voices. That's the cost. But I know it's not going to stop and I have to find a way to ignore the blowback. But I don't have to ignore the blowback. I can continue to internalize it, become depressed, and stop doing the show. Or if I want to continue to do the show, I can change the theme of the show, update the format, and stop talking about only the things that interest me, and stop sharing my most contrarian opinions with the audience, and instead do the generic fantasy football show where we go through the box scores and talk about the performances. We look at the upcoming slate. Who should we start? Who should we sit? Who should we stream? That would solve my problem. And I would fall asleep in front of the microphone doing it. So that would be a temporary solution that wouldn't be sustainable because it wouldn't stimulate me. So I must discover a method for disregarding the negative sentiments about this show that are shared online. That's the only way this show can continue. I must solve that conundrum for the show to continue in its current form. Because we're over 250 episodes in and new people who do not get the show will continue to wander over and listen to it and continue to pollute our iTunes reviews, our YouTube comments, and our Twitter mentions. And one thing that you can do is go to iTunes and submit a positive review. The positive reviews help me stay vigilant. If you have not rated the show, I would strongly encourage you to go to iTunes and rate the show. If you've already rated the show, Introduce it to someone else. Maybe they can rate the show. Or maybe your girlfriend can rate the show, even if she's only listened to it a couple times and asked you to turn it off because that Matt Kelly guy is annoying. She should rate the show five stars. Anyway, a bit misguided. Just a bit. I hate 85% of the show. It's just a bit misguided. I feel guilty complaining about this because the show has become very popular. During this past season, our audience grew 10x. 10x! That's a success by any measure. And yet my first instinct is to complain about the audience. And specifically, those who feel entitled to determine the agenda of my show. To make it just another fantasy advice show. That is offensive. And you might think, well, just turn off the comments. Turn off the mentions. It's easy. Quick fix, Matt Kelly. Done. Problem solved. Show must go on. Now, one of the key drivers of the show's content is what the audience wants. There are three sources of content for this show. Three pillars of show content. Number one, what I want to talk about. What I find interesting and stimulating. Number two, what the audience wants me to talk about. That's an important pillar. That's why we have an email box, rotounderworld at gmail.com, where you can make suggestions. That's why we check our mentions at Roto Underworld to know what you want us to talk about. That's why we look at the YouTube comments to see how the audience is reacting. Audience feedback is critical. And the third pillar, the third driver of show content is what I perceive the industry needs on certain issues. I believe certain perspectives in the industry are underrepresented. In those cases, I feel obliged to voice a particular point of view that I believe is shared by many, many that are in positions where they can't speak out. So the topics that we talk about on this show start with me, what I feel is interesting, what stimulates me, but it's also what the audience wants and what I believe the industry needs. 
And all three of those components work in concert. Myself, the audience, the industry. Without a fantasy football industry, this show doesn't exist. Without an audience, this show doesn't exist. Without me, the show doesn't exist. But if I had to pick one driver that matters most, it's the audience. The audience drives the show. What the show is today is very different than how it was conceived. It has evolved over time like animals evolve. You look at elephants in Africa. Many elephants now are born without tusks. Why is that? Because the elephants with tusks are killed. The elephants without tusks survive. And the non-tusk gene pool grows and grows and grows through natural selection. In some cases, those with the genes that make them the strongest survive. In other cases, the genes that make the animal the safest survive. And that's how elephants without tusks are becoming a larger and larger percentage of the elephant population. Every time we record a show, we listen to the audience feedback. If a show inspires significant feedback, that tells me you're engaged. If a particular show does not inspire strong feelings one way or the other, that tells me we're off track. So audience feedback drives how the show has evolved over time. And in this way, it's a positive feedback loop. Every show becomes more and more and more what you want. The hardcore listener, not the drive-by listener, not the guy looking for fantasy advice who finds the show on iTunes, listens to it for five minutes, and then drops a one-star review on our face. Now, not him, you, you, the minion. Those that listen to the show regularly, that's who I'm talking to. You're the ones that drive the show. You are implicitly determining what I talk about. You're producing the show. You might not even realize it. That's how evolution works. The individuals involved don't realize what's happening at the time, but the invisible hand of evolution is happening nonetheless. So the show continues to morph based on what the audience wants, and then it becomes a show that the ardent listeners really like and that show attracts more listeners that are interested in the same topics and it becomes a massive flywheel where the feedback continues to steer the show in a particular direction and that generates more feedback that continues to steer the show in a particular direction and that guides the thematic through line of the show and then these new listeners share the show with others that share their sensibilities and then before we know it we are an army we are an army that cares more about the health and welfare of college athletes than the decal on the helmet.